Once again, to yet another episode of Gillen Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast. I, as ever, Mr. Roscoe Harold Vacant, and I'm joined once again by my dear friend and most bodacious of colleagues, Mr. Gil Jacoby Rokotansky. Gil, how the devil are you? I'm good. I've just been watching <laughs> Danger Mouse. <laughs> wow, this conversation seems really much. <laughs> so. Gil, would you like yeah. to tell the boys and girls at home what happened yesterday? <laughs> we recorded the entire podcast. The entire and it, podcast. And it didn't work. And it was an amazing episode. It the, was really funny. The jokes were coming thick and fast. Yep. Oh. Well, at least mine were coming fast. Yeah. You're so thick. Guth's good. Guth is important, I think. <laughs> um, in my line of work. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, I don't know. Get, get your repeat customers. Exactly, exactly. So um, Those phone boxes aren't going to put your little calling cards up themselves. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Gil, um, do you need some dust blown off something? <laughs> oh, man. So you've been watching Danger Mouse? <laughs> no, I'm not, even, I'm not even encouraging you. I'm not even encouraging you. So, Gil, how the devil are you? My I'm good. I've oh. had a rocktastic week. I've been rehearsing for that concerto next week. All right, okay. So, uh, would you like to tell the boys and girls at home where and when uh, that particular concerto is happening? Uh, stereo in Glasgow uh-huh. on Thursday the 18th of December. Okay. So- at 7pm for five of your earth pounds. Five pounds sterling there it is and who who's all in the bill uh dust uh-huh. just kind dust. of dark hip-hop sounds awesome did you see i didn't i didn't even do the little britain thing no I, was, that, was that from the third season <laughs> i wouldn't have got that <laughs> oh they're, they're playing and they're awesome mm-hmm. and uh les grandes horizontales oh where where Yep, they're uh, awesome indie punk rock. Very good. I don't know what genres are these days. No, no, all kind of, all kind of sounds a bit like the Arctic Monkeys to me these days. <laughs> well, that's just because you've only got a an Arctic Monkeys CD in the car and you don't know how to switch the radio on. <laughs> it was, it gets stuck. <laughs> you're not good with these newfangled contraptions, are you, Granddad? <laughs> Absolutely not. They they invented dubstep though, right? Yes. Right. Okay. Wob wob. Yep. And uh, the hate eighties. Hate eighties. There we go. Yep. Um, they are incredible. And, uh-huh. Oh, I just can't wait. And I, I like that. I like <laughs> how you, you you casually say, "Oh, they're really great," and you're kind of in them. I'm not. I'm on one song. Uh huh. 
Okay. So you're gonna be are you gonna be performing your uh your song London with them uh next You'd, Thursday evening? Just have to come along and find out. Oh, there we go. Very see interesting. It, see if I'll be big pimping. Very cool. And the hordes of unstoppable skeletons. Oh, they're terrible. <laughs> the guitarist's sexy as hell though. which are you? The guitarist. When since? <laughs> when since? Uh, since? Oh yeah, since the last time you split up because they made the made you the guitarist. Uh, <laughs> I remember now. <laughs> you dick. <laughs> no, I'm the guitarist. Right. Okay. Okay. Level forty-two. Um. So, uh, you were also saying that you've you've been uh, working on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you've been working on a, a music video uh, for Holds of Unstoppable. 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 I have actually been working on a music video. How astute of you. <laughs> I've, actually, I've been working on a music video that should come out tomorrow. Uh huh, okay. Or. <laughs> Or should already be out based on how long it would take me to edit this podcast. There we go. It may take some time. Yep. And uh, I've also got like a half hour projection video that's going to be right across the stage. I hope. I don't know. <laughs> Basically, there's a, there's a projector and a screen. And the screen's going to be behind us and the projector's going to be in front of us. And it could all get a bit psychedelic. Wow. Or or it could just blind me. <laughs> we'll see what happens on the day. Anyway, the video looks quite awesome. Awesome, man. Very cool. Very cool. What about you? What have you been up to? What about me? What about you? <laughs> what are you doing? You up to? Um, well, well, my main, uh, the, the most exciting thing that's happened to me this week, I think, is uh, that I have actually, I've been to see one movie twice, would you believe? I would believe you, you would believe that because I, because I told you last night as well. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so I would believe. Fair, fair enough. Um, you went to see this uh, Le- new Liev Schreiber film. That's <laughs> that's correct. Uh, it's an obscure, obscure little joint, a little indie flick called Interstellar. Um, so yeah, I uh, went to see that. Um, Who's Stella? <laughs> Stella from Streetcar, right? No, yep. yeah, whatever. Or is it? <laughs> I don't know. Yes, yeah, st- streetcar. I'm questioning yes. myself now, but yeah, there we go. That was um, a top-notch Marlon Brando impression. <laughs> Adrian! That's the other one, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody, that's him. That's him. Um, so yes, went to Interstellar, uh, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, very highly recommend it. Went to see it at the IMAX in Glasgow. Um so I mean, the the first thing I would say is that if you get a chance to see it at the IMAX, uh, the full IMAX, do go and see it because it is fantastic. Um, the movie. I believe I believe that it's actually been renamed since September the nineteenth as the Nomax. The Nomax, right? Oh, oh there it is. Here we go. Um, yeah, so it stars Matthew McConaughey, uh, who I thought was brilliant in this. Um, also, uh, it has Anne Hathaway who I wasn't entirely convinced by. I felt that she was 
it was a a good performance in places, but quite often she was a bit in, I don't know, it just a performance just didn't really click. Whereas Matthew McConaughey was, was hitting it every single time. She plays quite a prominent role in the movie. Um and obviously Matthew McConaughey is the is the lead. Um also stars Michael Caine. Um and yeah, it's very, very good and, and definitely worth your time. Um Incredible. And Keanu Reeves as well. Keanu Reeves, of course, and Bruce Willis, uh, yeah. who plays a Russian. Uh, yes. And just a quick spoiler, uh, at the end of the film, um, the very end, uh, when basically when they defeat all of the aliens and, uh, you know, and, and basically America triumphs, um, what happens is Bruce Willis high-fives Michael Caine and says, you know, we make one interstellar team, comrade. And then Michael King goes, oh yeah, teamwork makes the dream work, Bruce. And then they high five. It's really, really powerful. Um, and really. And then, then do they go to the toilet and have a sword fight? <laughs> That's enough, right? That's enough. That's. I think we've we've kind of more or less used up our quota of. Uh, <laughs> Brian Glover isn't in it, but his uh-huh. brother is. His, his brother Dan, Daniel. Danny. <laughs> That's enough. In fairness, Danny Glover is excellent in this film. So, um, <laughs> in every film. But yeah, absolutely. If you get a chance to see it, do go and do go and see it. Um, it's one of the most interesting things in it is that it starts off with uh, some documentary footage, some interview footage, and it's quite interesting just because it's straight to the camera and they look very, very real. The interviews with older people talking about uh, over this dust. The film basically starts in a dust storm. Um, all the crops have failed and uh, this is a kind of alternative future where, uh, you know, where, where the humanity is struggling to survive. Um, but the, the, the actual video that they show, um, the, the documentary footage, is real uh, Dust Bowl refugees and survivors of the Dust Bowl uh, from, the, uh, from the Dust Bowl period. Um, and that's legitimately from a documentary that was released in 2012 that uh, Christopher Nolan has used as in the film and it's used to great effect and it's absolutely fantastic I'm crying already <laughs> so it's set in a future where like humanity's just fucked um, yeah that's that's the premise yep that's... <laughs> August 2015 <laughs> so humanity is basically Earth is, is no longer uh you know, no longer producing various types of food. There's there are a whole range of famines, and the crop and the um, corn is the last to go, basically. And the there are in the it seems like the corn is going to be dying off soon as well. Um, so basically, the, the the crux of the film is that Matthew McConaughey. Uh, oh no, I can't tell you anything like that. But <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm just well. I tell, you know the you know the film Silent Running. It's in space, right? So every, everyone knows it's in space, but yeah, it's amazing. And the way that the way that they find things and the way that the the story unfolds very naturally and very organically uh, is just fantastic. And and his daughter, uh, 
is is really great and I don't know the name of the actress um but but she was exceptional as well um both the the child version and the the, the adult version uh of of that uh, kid so really really worth checking out sorry Gil silent run uh, no, you're describing Interstellar, and I haven't watched the trailer still because I haven't read anything about it. Well, yeah, I would recommend people just go and see it without looking at anything. I think that's the best way to go into the film, to be honest. But Silent Running's set in space, right? In a in a time when the Earth is too hot and there's no plant life left, uh-huh. and they're taking the last forests into space to relocate it and hopefully be making food again. Right. Are there three robots in Interstellar by any chance? Michael, it's funny that you mention that. Yes, there are. Um, uh, I'm sure people would have found it anyway, so it's not as if we're giving a massive spoiler. There there are three... Uh, <laughs> there's three robots. There's, there's a wisecracking robot sidekick called Tars, um, which is uh, pretty amazing. Uh, so that's that's great fun and and it's just it's, it's such a well made film it's very palatable and the fact that it's three hours um you know that would usually put me off but as i say i've as i say been to see it twice uh and and loved it and and thoroughly enjoyed the ride the, on both occasions so yeah very and it's very affordable as well isn't it <laughs> No, I was moaning to Gil that it was 50 quid for both, both IMAX trips put together. But, yeah. Yep. Good. <laughs> worth, worth checking out, if nothing else. I'd like to check it out, because uh-huh. I literally know nothing about it. Yeah, I think... But, uh, you know, I think I could just stay at home watch Silent Running. Fair enough. I think the Tuesday is like 10 quid to go to the IMAX. 10, 10 Cheap day Tuesday! Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm... Rehearsing on Tuesday. There we go. Thirteen pounds. Otherwise, I think. So <laughs> very expensive, but yeah, good. I prefer to go to a cinema where the the charge for the tickets is the difference between the cost of the tickets for <laughs> <and> the IMAX. <laughs> okay, talk. Three pounds sixty. Uh-huh. I'm sold. <laughs> so there we go. So have you but, managed to to see anything exciting this week? Uh, I've I've watched the season finales of two different shows. All right, okay. Yeah, well, actually, not even season. Fin- well, two season finales. One of them was the final ever episode. Oh, and that was Sons of Anarchy. All Thank right. fuck that's finished. Uh-huh. I don't want to spoil anything, but I thought it was good that he died. <laughs> so that's been rumbling on for how many seasons is that? And the Sons of Anarchy. That was seven. Seven, right? Okay. They they could have done it in two. Right. Okay. Really. Uh huh. <laughs> it was just oh, like I spent so many episodes of that going. Please just stop going on about the IRA, and then in the finale, it's all about the IRA. Oh really? Yep. Ah. Oh. But yeah, Sons of Anarchy is finally done, and it's shit. But yeah, Z Nation. Mm-hmm. It's first season has finished. Ah, okay. And it's awesome. Really? It's really good. Ah, so you've continued to be impressed with that show. I've, I'm impressed by it in the way that, well, I, I suppose my expectations are slightly lowered by knowing it's the asylum mm-hmm. and not having massive expectations of 
things they do. But I I think the Z Nation was a very enjoyable zombie action show. Very cool, man. Very cool. Um, and do you think it leads, uh, there's a likelihood that it will lead on to a, a second series? They do have a cliffhanger. Right, okay. <laughs> they have a massive cliffhanger. To be fair, I'm not entirely sure if it's a cliffhanger or if they just went, let's finish the show. Right, okay. It's that sort of uh-huh. cliffhanger where you you just, they could quite happily just go, yeah, we spent 13 episodes just fucking about. <laughs> That's, you know, I, I don't I want I think you said that it's quite a good structure and quite a good kind of... It does. I mean, it's they're all fun little standalone episodes, like uh-huh. 40-odd minutes. And... But, they, but they are standalone. Well, they, I mean, you could watch them standalone. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. got this... There's nothing that you can't really pick up in the previously on. Right. It's a, bun- okay. it's, it's a bunch of people that are trying to get from A to Z. Oh, I like it. So, I like it. Yeah, but, See, he's dead there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's worth checking out. Mm-hmm. You could miss out the second episode if it didn't introduce a new character. Okay, that's uh-huh. that's the annoying thing about it. But yep. you could probably just scan through that one. I mean, it's not great. It's just all about cannibals, and then the cannibals get beaten and they move on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah, I think that people should definitely check it out. I don't know if it's on television over here. If it is, it'll be on sci-fi. Okay. But yeah, get a watch. Give it a watch, indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, have you watched any movies, or has there been anything particularly jumping out at you? Uh, I haven't watched a lot of movies, sadly, uh-huh. because of all the rock and roll lifestyle. I mean, that's mostly just the sex and the drugs and the rock and roll. Yeah. Min- minus the sex and the drugs, but... A lot of rock and roll. That's I broke a string. You broke a string, did you? Yeah. And that's hard on the bass. Oh, wait, sorry. No, I'm not playing the, the bass. bass. Oh, no, that's right. Oh, well. <laughs> I've got my bass right beside me, so every time you tell a pun, I could do like a little Seinfeld <laughs> thing for you. That just sounds terrible. It's detuned and it's, <laughs> it's awfully detuned. <laughs> tell a joke, Roscoe. What's the deal with Gil and Roscoe? I mean, seriously. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> there you oh go. Oh my god, no wonder they sacked you for the base. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you were given the heave ho. <laughs> was it Christmas, so it was the heave ho ho ho? Um. It's all water under the bridge now until this comes out. So... <laughs> Depends how it's edited. Honestly, I just really want to play stereo. And I think if I can get the band to break up, then Mark will have no option but to ask me to play. So... You really want to play stereo? No. <laughs> I can't be bothered. To be honest, uh... I can barely be bothered going. If I'm being... <laughs> can you play the drums? <laughs> I was born to drum. I'd ask you if you could play the bass, but I've seen you play the bass. <laughs> that is a fair comment, actually. That's a fair comment. <laughs> if it wasn't for that fuzz pedal, people would have been able to hear the notes and been extra disappointed. 
<laughs> there we go. Okay, um, okay, so guys, we'll have a short break there and then we'll be back to discuss Tusk. So we'll be back after this. Looking for something to fill that deep, horrible, dirty void inside? Then look no further than the podcast Under the Stairs. Join your host, Duncan McLeish, and guests as they dissect horror films old and new. No film is too gory. No film is too scary. No film is too violent for the podcast Under the Stairs. The podcast Under the Stairs can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com or on iTunes. The podcast Under the Stairs is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Podcasts. To avoid fainting, keep repeating to yourself, it's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. Okay, guys, and we're back to discuss Tusk from 2014. It was written and directed by Kevin Smith, and it stars Michael Parks as Howard Howe, Justin Long as Wallace Brighton, Genesis Rodriguez as Ali Lu- Leon. I almost says Ali Wooten, which is a... I thought you could say Alleluia. <laughs> <laughs> Haley Joe Osmond as uh, Teddy Craft, Johnny Depp as Guy Point. And Harley Morenstein as border agent, Ralph Garman as detective, and others. Yep. Including Johnny Depp's daughter. There we go. Who's, who, yep. Where's Johnny Depp's daughter? Harley Quinn Smith. Oh, there we go. That's is, a nice uh, name. That's Kevin Smith's daughter. And Lily Rose Depp is Johnny oh, Depp's daughter. So and the, two, the... the two girls. Yep. Very cool. Some would say they were clerks. Yes, they are. Didn't want to say it. <laughs> See, the, the, the reason that's funny... <laughs> right, <okay. laughs> right, here's the synopsis. When podcaster Wallace... No, wait a minute, I want to know why that's funny. <laughs> Tell me, why is that funny, Roscoe? <laughs> well, it's funny because... Kevin Smith directed the film Quirks. There's your Seinfeld moment. Thank you. Thank you. I think I, I have a lot more George Costanza moments than I have Seinfeld moments, to be fair. Um, so, so you've got a little bald man in you. <laughs> <laughs> Not for the first time. Um, so, uh, synopsis. Uh, when podcaster Wallace Brighton goes missing in the backwoods of Manitoba while interviewing a mysterious seafarer named Howard Howe, his best friend Teddy and girlfriend Alison team with an ex-cop to look for him. So yeah. that, that, that was is... a big sigh. Like, oh no, I have to talk about this film again. No, no, not at all, not at all. Um, so I mean, at the, it's, I mean, it's what I mean. The, the the whole point of this film, we need to kind of at least allude to... We need to mention what the point of the film is in order to talk about it. So I'm going to go right ahead and say it. So we'll, we'll start for the start and we'll uh, just discuss it. So if you're... There's no way you could possibly be affected by spoilers for this, so whatever. <laughs> um, right. So It's not that good a film. No, so we've got two... Uh, two characters called Wallace and Teddy who run a very successful uh, podcast um, something that we 
could never understand. Um, particularly since their show seems to make money rather than lose money on a weekly basis. Um, so, <laughs> um, so yes, they run this insanely popular uh, podcast called the Not Sea Party, as in the Not Sea Party. Um, Yay! Oh, hilarious bondage. Very hilarious that's pun that's made about a hundred times throughout the, the film. Yeah. Um, so, yes, uh, they run this podcast. The premise behind the podcast is that Wallace, uh, the Justin Long character, goes and visits uh, kind of curious and interesting people, usually from the internet, people who, uh, for one reason or another, have, have received fame. And he relays that information and relays the experience to Teddy who does not see I don't know. He, he's not blind or anything. He just uh Yeah. He does not like to travel. Yeah, that would make sense, right? Yeah. Um explaining funny things to a blind person. Well that would that that would make sense. Um yeah. but no If anybody wonders what explaining funny things to a blind person sounds like, just wait for our, what we do in the shadows review where I have to explain funny things to Roscoe. That's it, absolutely. Um, so, <laughs> you don't have to explain it to me. How dare you? Yeah, I do. I have to point out all the funny bits to you. You make me sick. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so basically Teddy doesn't like to travel or something, which is the, the lamest. Uh, anyway, so they... Uh, the, the film starts off with a character called the Kill Bill Kid, who is obviously a takeoff on Star Wars Kid, who, which was like an internet sensation uh, maybe about 10 years ago, where this kid is, is um, danced around with a golf club, uh, trying to recreate Darth Maul's uh, moveset from The Phantom Menace. That's, is this a description for anyone that doesn't know what internet sensation the Star Wars Kid did? He did some Star Wars things and he's a kid. Fair enough. Um, so the Kill Bill kid is basically the same idea. It's a kid dancing around with a sword, uh, except he manages to cut his own leg off. So the idea is that they, on this show, kind of take the mic out of these people and then go and visit them and try and get an interview with them. Um, so when, when Wallace makes the journey up to Canada, he... Where, where the kid lives, he discovers that the kid has killed himself and as a result has travelled all the way there for nothing and is basically trying to find a story. He goes to this local pub and on the wall he sees a sign that basically says you know, I'm a, a interest I've lived an interesting varied life I'm no longer able to look after myself but in exchange for listening to my stories and help me with the chores that I've not uh, been able to carry out you'll be able to re- uh, rent a room for free um, contact Howard Howe who is the Michael Parks character so the Justin Wong character uh, Wallace decides that he's going to uh, to phone this guy up and try and arrange an interview with him for the podcast um, and from there, it kind of spirals into this kind of bizarre. Uh, basically, the, the the whole plot, the whole thing, centers around the 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 Howard Howe character wanting to create a wanting to create a, 
a walrus. A human walrus. Yep. So yeah, so that, that is the that is an hour and forty minutes of the film, and that's, a lot of your life you won't get back. Yeah, just like listening to me trying to explain it. Um, so yeah, Gil, so please tell me what did you think of this one? Uh, I thought it was fair enough, uh-huh. but I just then it just got to a point where I just wanted it to be over. Okay, and it just. It just didn't deliver anything that was all that interesting. Mm-hmm. Like the the start of it is is okay, but you just don't like any of the characters, and you you kind of expect that maybe you're going to get this this moment where everything's going to turn, and you're going to be like this. You know, like Wallace isn't Scrooged in mm-hmm. this at all. At no point does he realize. No, there's no no redemption. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's the main problem I had with this. Is uh-huh. The whole time you're watching it, all you're watching is a a bit of a dick having horrible things done to him and you don't really care. Yep. So basically your main protagonist is completely unlikable in every every angle he's shot from. Um he is Basically, his, his girlfriend Ali describes him as being this kind of nerdy kid, this uh, you know an unpopular guy who had a good heart and who she fell in love with, but who has since finding fame with his podcast has become a completely different person. Does this sound familiar to any of our friends <laughs> and family? Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's the that's the basic premise, and he through all the way throughout is. There are wee crumbs thrown away to 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 basically show you that he is a despicable person who has been cheating on his beautiful girlfriend with, um, you know, with with the podcast groupies. fans, podcast groupies, because such a thing surely exists. What would a podcast groupie be called? I don't know. I don't know. A poopy. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> oh. Yeah, sorry. That's the same, going back to the same level of puns as last week. Yep, I think I think we need to we need to raise our game. That's <laughs> we, we certainly do. Belly um, button jokes next. Oh, so yeah. So I mean that that's a that is a key thing is that the characters are lacking. What did you think of the overall kind of the the way that the story unfolds? I quite liked the way it unfolded at the start, mm-hmm. and the the whole thing about Howard Howe having had such a fantastic and interesting life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's never really explained whether that's true or a fantasy for him. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe if they'd explored his character a bit more, I think that's the problem with this film is that they don't they they show you all this stuff about Wallace that's supposed to maybe make you empathetic towards them Mm -hmm. but it totally doesn't right and it doesn't really show you enough background on howard howe Mm -hmm. to he's possibly the one character that should have been empathetic in this because if some of the stuff that he says is true then he has had a, a horrible life like his story about his old friend mr tusk uh huh the walrus that was 
like a defining moment in his life. So would you like to explain to the boys and girls at home uh, what what the the deal is with Mr. Tusk? Well, he was stranded mm-hmm. and kind of taken under the wing of a, a walrus. Mm-hmm. Even though walruses don't have wings. They don't? They've got flippers. <laughs> He's taken under Mr. Tusk's flipper. Right. And then kills Mr. Tusk after having had this incredible friendship and 20 minutes later is rescued. Yep. And you kind of get this idea that that, that 20 minutes, that kind of broke him because if he'd waited, then he wouldn't have had to kill Mr. Tusk. Sure. So he wants to make a new Mr. Tusk. Yep. So basically, as the thing progresses, we find out that uh, Wallace isn't the first person who he's tried this with and in fact there's been many more that have been in, in some, have been you know in similar situations yep um, but yeah I mean the, the, obviously the Michael Parks uh, performance is probably the, the most um, the most important in this and I think that's played incredibly well I, again I would agree with you there's not enough um, in terms of development of that there are some good uh, flashback sequences that are that kind of ride the line between fantasy and reality. They could equally be one or the other. Um, <clears throat> but the Michael Parks character does, you know, he does have that kind of magnetism and that that uh, I don't know. He's it just seems very dynamic and very what's the word? Wasted. <laughs> he's kind of wasted in this film. Right. Like, okay. Okay. He's a very good character that they just haven't done enough with. Sure. It's like they've accidentally written a film where there's a really interesting character in it mm-hmm. and focused on the person that they, they don't need to. Sure. Um, Wallace's story shouldn't be the main thing. It should be the introduction to Howard Howe. Mm-hmm. And then the, that would have been a better turning point if you start watching a film and 15 minutes into the film the main protagonist changes. Uh-huh, sure. That would have been much better instead of constantly sticking with this, like, fucking douchebag. Right. Uh-huh, and I mean, that is, I mean, you use that word, but I mean, that's that's probably the best way that you could you could describe the character and that, that kind of tradition. And I mean, that's, you know, it, it, it does just feel like that kind of all-American douchebag um and it's it's a character that people will recognize and it's not um i I mean there's there's so many things that are kind of thrown up um like for example the the canadian all of the references to canada the film takes place mostly in canada but there are a lot of really kind of quite simplistic very base uh canadian anti-canadian jokes and i mean i I realize that it's it's all in good humor and it's supposed to be a black comedy but it just seems it seems puerile it just seems like bad writing oh to be honest it it seems like it's not it's not smart it's Mm -hmm. it's jokes about canada that are being written (laughs) with the the whole idea of oh what if somebody's watching this in paris Sure, sure. It's not actually aware that the audience can find jokes about Canada funny mm-hmm. without without having to 
have the joke basically explained to them. Mm-hmm. That's sure. like, oh, you don't tell a Canadian that you don't like hockey. Ah, uh-huh. uh-huh. why not? Right. <laughs> so I mean, so, I don't like hockey, Canada. I'm sorry. In that instance, for example, when they when he's at the border, all that needed to happen was for a negative point when when he made a point against hockey then the border guards could have just started being awkward with him. There was no yeah. need to, you know, it's, it's, but again, that's such a puerile and such a simplistic uh, cultural stereotype. The stuff like the A to Z is the name of the the, the uh, convenience store, so it's pronounced A as in yeah. how Canadians are supposed to say A and Z because Americans don't say Z because Americans say Z rather than Z. So it's things like that that were thrown up about uh, Canada, various stuff because people say a boot. And for me, it's just like so so stupid and so pointless, half the stuff that was being thrown Degrassi in. Degrassi. Well. Degrassi, hi, absolutely. Um, it's all things that people are well aware Kevin Smith has an interest in. Sure. So it just seems like a script that's just been kind of thrown together right. lazily. So this originated out of uh, the Smodcast uh, podcast, right? Yep. So it was an episode of, of yeah, that Yeah, the, episode, the episode's called The Carpenter and the Walrus. Okay, so is it just them... What's the idea? Is it them just freestyling a storyline, or is it them telling something that's scripted, or what's... Do you well, know? It was just, Kevin, you can hear it at the end of the film. If ah, you, right, okay. If you wait until the end of the credits, it uh-huh. plays a bit of the the Smodcast episode uh-huh. to you, and it's him explaining this idea of a film uh-huh. to, uh, what's his name, Scott Mosier. Okay. And basically just, he told the entire basic idea of the film and then said if you want it to be a film we'll have hashtags walrus yes or walrus no mm-hmm. and walrus yes was the winner and an hour and a 40 minutes of my life was the loser <laughs> <laughs> sadly yeah i mean it feels like it, it you know it feels like the kind of thing that would fit really well and uh tales from the crypt type a film or uh, another portmanteau movie. Your favourite word. <laughs> My favourite word. Uh, yes, so it, w- it would fit really nicely if it was condensed maybe to 20, 25 minutes. Um, and I mean, there's nothing in this that couldn't that, that would make it not possible to do that. Um, it's it's a fairly lean movie. Um, there's, there's not a whole lot of well, sorry, I'm saying the wrong thing. It's there's a lot of fly, there's a lot of um, a lot of extraneous stuff that could be doing with just getting trimmed out, trimmed right back. Um, yeah. And I, I don't feel that it's it's a very I don't I don't think there's a lot to it. I don't I don't really understand exactly what the point is. Um, whether it's just to make a black comedy that they find amusing. I couldn't really find anything behind it about what kind of message it was trying to say, or whether it was just this is a this is a crazy idea. And this I is... think that's it. I think it is basically I've got an idea for a film. Mm-hmm. Here it is, and uh-huh. I won't really refine it mm-hmm. much. And 
I think the you're right. It would totally work as a portmanteau thing. But as I was telling you last night when we were <laughs> failing to record, it's the first part of a trilogy apparently that's going to be set in Canada. So, ah, okay. Well, you can you can look forward to some more Canadoos and Canadons yep. style jokes. Yep. But if the other two films are as good as this, then they should have just been condensed into one shorter film. Mm-hmm. And I I think that this film would have been really good if we'd never seen as much of the the transformation stuff, mm-hmm. even though we don't really see a lot. If they'd totally done away with uh, Teddy and Ali yep. and just concentrated on Michael Parks mm-hmm. telling this house guest stories mm-hmm. and then... You know the story of Mister Tusk unfolding and uh-huh. his his great love for that old walrus friend who might never even have been real, and then the film just ends with him saying, "I'll see you tomorrow," throwing a fish, and then the camera pulls back, and that's the first time that you see what he's actually done to Wallace. There we go. Yeah, that would work better because then you've got that like body shock thing. Uh huh happening with that but the body shock stuff in this just doesn't really work uh-huh well I, I would tend to agree with that um again I, I do think as much as this this pertains to be a black comedy it does kind of it does dwell in a lot of the more well the baser elements of that you know torture porn genre um i don't think it really is i don't think you could put it in along with the 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 kind of body horror type stuff. I don't, I don't think it's that good. Um, I think it's closer to, you know, your, your kind of hostels and uh, saws and the, the kind of films that, that fell out uh, as a result of that. I think this is probably closer to the human centipede than it really wishes it was. Um, I don't know if you would agree with that, but I think, like, again, the human centipede was a, a single joke stretched out to... Uh, an hour and a half, and I yeah. think I think I think this is uh, remarkably similar uh, in 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 many respects. As much as it's a completely different tone of a film, I think that w- what it actually achieves isn't all that much better than than, than what the the Human Centipede achieved. That's just my view. That's that's my my thinking. Yeah, it's it's been so long since I've watched the Human Centipede that you know I, I can't really remember it well enough sure i'll probably feel the same way about this in a wee while oh uh-huh. you know it's one of these I, I remember the fact that he gets turned into a walrus but mm-hmm. i mean there's the effects for that you know they they look like you could stick that walrus character in a comedy mm-hmm. you know that it wasn't it wasn't shocking it wasn't frightening no that's right and, I think that they'd overdone it with the effects. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I think they'd they'd made him too much of a walrus. Right. Okay. There wasn't like there's the whole idea of he has to become like a walrus. That's like a task that he is set by Mister Howe. He's trying to make him become more walrus. If he'd been less walrus at the start, mm-hmm. and then. As it goes on, they tweak the design a little bit to make him seem like he's becoming more walrus as he is becoming more walrus, then that would have worked. But 
basically just looks like a man in a rubber suit the whole time and it's it just becomes dull. Yeah, that's right. I it's, agree. It's just not uh maybe Kevin Smith watches it like stoned out his tits and thinks it's his masterpiece. Uh uh-huh. I mean that's I, that. I mean the the question that kinda came up last night was whether Kevin Smith was ever really that good and whether it's just that well we'll not we'll not fifteen anymore and we'll know it you know, we'll know we'll know it stoned wasters anymore and we'll you know, it's it's not it's, it's I mean Molrats really doesn't stand up when you go on 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 second viewing, to be honest. And on, I I still enjoy Mallrats. Yeah, I, I, I personally don't. I think it's, uh, I think it's great for nostalgia and that side of things. But, um, save obviously Jane, Silent Bob. I think it's uh, not really get much to offer. Um, but that's just me. That's uh, I suppose you you got older and wiser and stuff. And I, I personally, uh, that's my view anyway. I I just think that this looks like. Uh, a film that's trying too hard to be indie uh-huh. when it's being made by somebody that could have done it with a a probably decent budget if it wasn't for the fact that he's trying to play the indie filmmaker at every turn despite the fact all of his like cultural references that he's known for are just complete mainstream mm-hmm you know, he's so fucking obsessed with Star Wars and everything, but wants to keep his Star Wars references looking indie. Right. But then he's got Mark Hamill as a character in a film. You're like, well, that's this sure. isn't this isn't like a shitty little indie flick. No, it's not anymore. You can't. It's, it's maybe it's like a defense mechanism. If anybody criticizes a Kevin Smith film, then they're criticizing indie cinema in his eyes. But. Uh-huh. I don't think that Kevin Smith is indie cinema anymore. I think no. he, I think he chooses to, to not work to the best of his capacity. <laughs> okay. Possibly because this is what happens when he tries to be a bit more serious. Sure. I mean, I, I didn't like this or Red State. Okay. Sure. In the way that I would that I enjoyed any of his other films oh i mean those those films are good fun i mean Morats, clerks chasing amy um all good fun and i mean they, they were all the time and i i think that that's that's a big part of it is being there and being a part of whatever it was at that time but things move on and we move on and we grow up as people and i think going back and watching the what, what he tried to do later on with things like uh, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back and so on, and it's the same type of thing. It's just it's um, it just doesn't work. It, it he is so publicly Kevin Smith now. Oh, absolutely. That, that any attempt he makes to do something that isn't to just be seen as a Kevin Smith thing, mm-hmm. it's it's already out there because of his podcasts and the fact that he goes around the world like charging people more money than concerts just for him to stand there with one microphone okay. in the same fucking venues. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's a big indie cinema folk hero who's 
making an absolute fucking fortune every time anybody goes to be amazed at how down to earth he is. <laughs> yep. I I don't buy into this persona anymore. It's like even he's got like a TV show, Comic Book Men, that's mm-hmm. his friends in a comic book, but it's presented in the style of the Smodcast at the start and mm-hmm. at the end as well, where it's him and all of them in a round table, and it's like, oh look at what great pals we are. And like, but yeah, it's all television and it's all just selling your image. Sure. Sure. Like he's he's selling himself to his through everything apart from his movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, again, that's that's a big a big part of this as well as this kind of egotistical podcast host as well, um, who obviously has a huge budget and is able to kind of command certain a certain level of respect. There's got to be a, a certain level, of, I suppose. Um, an autobiographical element to that as well. Um, well, in their studio, they do have a picture that's done in the style of like a blunt man in chronic cover. Sure. For the not see party. Right. Okay. So there it is. Okay, uh, guys. So we'll have a short break there. Um, finally, Gil. Sorry, before we move on, would you recommend this film? Is it? Uh... I'd recommend Michael Parks performance in this film as being worth watching but I wouldn't recommend this film as being the sort of thing anybody should really seek out intentionally I think if it's if it's on watch it but don't go out there's not there's nothing in this film that you need to go out your way for no I agree I agree okay guys so we'll have a short break there and then we'll be back to discuss what we do in the shadows and we'll be back after this boom this is jamie from devour the podcast do you enjoy horror commentary with straightforward honesty oh my god fuck this movie fuck this movie so hard oh my goodness you know i halfway through this movie i was just like let's get this thing going fuck this movie (laughs) (laughs) humor and an obvious passion for the genre I like the cut of your jib. The ceiling, Grandma. Don't make me get out the broom. Oh, your tears are like wine. They used to call that the vapors. Cupcakes are kind of the Schindler's list of desserts. It's it's a, a pure good. I love the idea of up-and-coming horror directors taking on the found footage genre. I really, really like that idea. And that's really the worst thing you can commit as far as filmmaking is concerned, is making a film that's just average. Well, that doesn't really inspire any kind of discussion, whether it's, you know, to rip it apart or or praise it. Then you should spend time with David and me. And Bo. As we discuss horror films from old classics. Deep Red. Empire of the Ants. Lisa and the Devil. The Baby. The Toxic Avenger. To new favorites. Absentia. Cabin in the Woods. The Loved Ones. Shadow of Death. VHS. The Woman. Check us out on iTunes or at devourthepodcast.blogspot.com. Devour the Podcast is a proud member of the Horrorphilia Podcasting Network. Okay, guys, and we're back to discuss what we do in the shadows from 2014. 2014, the future. What are we supposed to do with that, though? I mean, it's... I think think it's 2015 is when it starts being 2015. No, but we had like the 2012 Olympics and all that. Uh-huh. No, not 2012. You know, I just don't get it. These are the questions just... that these are the questions that must be mulled over. How many decades does it take until people like get used to that? 
The answer, my friend. <laughs> right. It's blowing in the wind. Yes, it's blowing in the wind. Right. Okay. Um. So, I need to get rid of your face first. Um. From the center of the screen. Um. Otherwise, you get too distracted. Yeah. The the weird <laughs> thing. Find out what you do in the shadows. <laughs> Um, the weird thing with uh, Facebook on Android now is that you get a, a little face of the person that you're... Like, if, if Gil has messaged me, that his little face is kind of somewhere in the corner of my screen at all times, which oh, is the bizarre. Chat yeah, the chat heads. Yeah, do you not know how to get rid of them? I know how to get rid of them. <laughs> don't, don't, don't lecture me in technology, Grandad. Okay. <laughs> okay. Who edits this show anyway? Oh yeah, it's you. Right. Yeah. Um, right. So it was written and directed by Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't even need to practice that. That's just how <laughs> I say it. Uh, so Jermaine Clement stars as Vladislav or Vlad the Poker. The Poker. <laughs> <laughs> um. Taika Waititi is Viago, uh, Jonathan Brew is Deacon, uh, Corey Gonzalez Marker is Nick, Stuart Rutherford is Stu, uh, Ben Franchum is Peter, uh, Jackie Van Beek is Jackie. I uh, see they're using the hair uh, method of naming characters here. Uh, Alina Steko is Pauline Ivanovich, Jason Hoyt is Julian. Karen O'Leary as Officer O'Leary, we're here. Uh, Mike <laughs> Minogue as Officer Minogue, uh, and others. So you did it again. You missed out Reese Darby. I missed out Reese Darby, did I? As Anton. As Anton. There we go. And he was. So basically, this is um, this is by the creators of Flight of the Concords. Is that correct? Well, uh, Jermaine Clement is uh-huh. one half of Flight of the Concords. Okay. And Taika Waititi did a bit of work on Flight of the Concords. He wrote some and directed one episode, I think. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think that that looks really nice on the, the posters. But, I mean, it wasn't that wasn't on the posters for Eagle versus Shark, I don't think, which is a a previous film that they'd worked together on, which is incredibly funny. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's got one guy from Flight of the Concords in it, but uh-huh. he's, not, he's not playing that character from that TV show, and essentially Flight of the Concords are just a musical group anyway. Okay. Uh-huh. So he... Uh, sorry, the character, the guy who plays Anton in this film is also their manager in Flight of the Concords. In the TV show, yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay, so, uh, basically this film follows... Oh, sorry, there's a, there is a synopsis. Um, follow the lives of Viago, Deacon, um, and Vladislav, three flatmates who are just trying to get by and overcome life's obstacles, like being immortal vampires who must feast on human blood. Hundreds of years old, the vampires are finding that beyond sunlight catastrophes... Hitting the main artery and not being able to get a sense of their wardrobe without a reflection, modern society has them struggling with the mundane, like paying rent, keeping up with the chore wheel, trying to get into nightclubs, and overcoming flatmate conflicts. 
So, yes, the film starts off with uh, Viago, um, who is a quite camp, uh, dandy vampire, um, waking up and uh, rising from his grave when his alarm goes off. Uh, we see him uh, reaching his hand to switch off his alarm, quite amusingly, in the, much the style of a number of Dracula films, and then rising uh, from the grave uh, in the style of Max Shrek and Nosferatu and so on. And he, he goes and he wakes up each of his, uh, each of his uh, flatmates who themselves are all vampires. Uh, one of the great things about this is that each of the vampires uh, represents different types of vampires that have been represented in films. And like Pete, Peter's very Orlockian. He is Orlockian, so he's uh, in the style of Count Orlock uh, from Nosferatu. Um, then we have a kind of a suave um, interview with a vampire type, uh, or well, not so much interview with a vampire as uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula as well, uh, and Vladislav. Yeah. Um, and then Deacon. What do you say <laughs> about Deacon? I'd say Deacon's the cheeky young upstart. Okay, yep. <laughs> well, well, at the start, I think he gets his nose a little bit out, a bit out of place a wee bit when Nick is brought into it uh-huh. because, because Nick is now the young one of the bunch. So these, uh, these four vampires have a flat share in New Zealand and Wellington. Um so the, the, the film is basically shot in a mockumentary style. Um, it's very similar to presentations of things like uh, The Office, The American Workplace, the UK version of The Office, Spinal Tap, and so on. Um, so it's a, a similar type of, uh, of humour to that. Um, and it, it, it basically chronicles their everyday lives. The first thing that we see, for example, is as as I said, Viago waking up all these flatmates and trying to organise a flat uh, meeting to discuss uh, issues about uh, different chores that have now been carried out and stuff like that. So that's the kind of humour that it's, it's based on. So it's basically putting four vampires into the modern world. Um, one of the characters uh, that about maybe 10, 15 minutes into the film, they introduce a new uh, character who becomes a victim who is Nick and he is a a modern day vampire who likes to go around telling everyone that he is the main guy from Twilight and so on and stuff like that so he is that he's a modern day vampire and it kind of the circle is complete basically um, he, he does also introduce them to his friend Stu uh-huh. who, who they, they really all, like <laughs> yeah they all promise not to eat <laughs> and Stu helps them out as well with like technology and in- introducing Viago to Skype and uh-huh. stuff like that. It's just a superb film. Very just good. These, just these, because uh, it's all build- building up to the, the, the unholy masquerade ball. Uh-huh. Like the, the six months before it in the life of these vampires that suddenly gets changed by the introduction of this person who's a little bit more comfortable with the modern world sure sure so yeah it's it is very funny i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie to you Gil. um i did enjoy it from that side but i think i went into it with very very high expectations 
um, I felt it was uh, again a good joke that almost was carried on just a bit too long um, and a lot of the stuff that they were mentioning a lot of the jokes they were making were quite quite obvious um, as I say just a lot of it just felt like it was a bit a bit obvious um, I don't know what, what was your view on that side I really liked the humour I mean uh-huh. some of it is obvious but that doesn't stop it being incredibly funny and sometimes it's actually it's nice to see something that's that obvious I mean that like even the opening credits of the film where it's got like the the photographs of them through history uh-huh. like there's a picture in it where it's just a bat and it says something like Deacon 1971 mm-hmm. I loved that just these really really obvious little vampire jokes and the there's one of them where it's really obvious with the the teacup mm-hmm. with like Viago going oh look a floating teacup holding it up in the mirror mm-hmm. but then when it shows you Nick when he's first turned into a vampire and he's kind of freaking out he's looking at himself in the mirror but his reflection in the mirror isn't doing the exact same thing as, uh-huh. as him yep. but then when he is invisible in mirrors later on he's showing Viago he's got Viago with like a, a napkin and Nick's got an orange that's been slightly cut and they're doing Pac-Man in the the mirror. I loved that. Just all the tiny little uh, fun jokes. Okay, yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think it's, it, it is very offbeat humour. I think there's a lot more to say for this film than there is perhaps for uh, for Tusk. I think there's a lot of rewatchability to it. Just for me, it, it, it left me a bit cold um, just purely because I, I mean, it's a warm-hearted comedy i mean it is i mean the the, yeah. the, the 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 everything behind it is you know good and it's it's not good you know it's got a nice ending it's got a nice you know all the way through it it's it's basically a a good film um it's it's not like a lot of the stuff that we watch uh mean-spirited um yeah but it's a, a light-hearted horror it is, yeah and i think i think the, the good thing is you could watch this with pretty much anyone yeah. Uh, even people that aren't really interested in horror or who you know d- don't have any you know particular affinity to the genre. There's nothing. There's no particularly too ma- too many in jokes or anything like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, there's a lot to be said for it. It just it, it left me a bit cold. What about the effects? I thought some of the effects were incredibly oh, yeah, yeah. well it's, done. Aha, uh-huh, sure, yeah. So do you mean like the? Tr- well, the the flying for one thing, the transformation sequences with the werewolves were all good. The um, what else? But also just the there's like a a little chase sequence uh-huh. through their house where they keep a, appearing in front of the person they're chasing, and it's all done incredibly quickly. Uh-huh. And at at one point, one of them starts crawling out of somebody's backpack. Uh-huh. And some oh, yeah, of that, that was pretty, actually, that was really good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And even just the the first time that you see Vladislav, mm-hmm. there's a 
a little trick that they do with his room. Oh, uh-huh, so it's like a kind of mad orgy with velvet, like velvet flowing from him, or something like that. It's, it looks bizarre. It's uh, yeah, and then two strange. seconds later, it's just a normal it's room in the again. Door, yeah, yeah. I I just really liked it. Just all the, I mean, it's the sort of thing that. People have been making jokes about for ages, like how does a vampire get dressed if they can't see themselves in the mirror? But I think that the way this film handled these things that are quite obvious jokes about vampires was done really well. Yeah. Just because they they are dressing like the people from their time periods anyway. So it doesn't matter what they wear, they still always look out of place. Like the very first time that they get dressed up to go out and they walk along the street <laughs> thinking that they're all they're incognito. Basically, they're basically peacocking. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody that's just standing at the side of the street just shouts homos at them. <laughs> yeah. So You know, in their inability to get into clubs. Do you know I thought they shouted vampire? I, I was I, I was laughing at that because I thought it was like they thought they were incognito, but they were very obviously vampires. Oh, I, might, yeah, I thought they shouted homos. I'm, I don't know. I might I might be wrong. I, I don't. Yeah. But I, also, there's lots of different. vampires. Yeah, yeah, there is. There is. Yeah, there's seventy vampires live in the city, mm-hmm. and they are all different types as well. Like you've got the little girls that are on their because they're probably about 100 years old by now. They still look like little girls and they're, mm-hmm. because they're looking for somebody to, to bite. They're off to meet a paedophile. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, so I mean, that is, that's the level of humour. I, I don't know. It's not my cup of tea. No, my cup of tea. Is, uh, I, I was never really a great fan of Flight of the Concords, to be fair. I enjoyed The Office, and I liked I liked bits of American Workplace, but for me, it's it, it, it didn't really do much. Are you maybe not a fan of documentary stuff then? No, I am. I am, and I've, <laughs> I've enjoyed a whole range of documentary, um, do- fake documentary stuff. I just don't like this, and I don't like Flight of the Concords. Is that maybe biasing you? Because I no I'm, no no at all see- not at all. I don't really see no, no bias. I've no it's no bias. I've watched the I watched the film and I didn't particularly enjoy it. I felt the need to, to in some way enjoy it, but I didn't enjoy it at all. Yeah, I just I don't really see much of a crossover between this and Flight of the Concords apart from two cast members. I'd never said there was any. I'm just telling you that I I found I I didn't see anything in it that I enjoyed. It's I- I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it enough, but it's not. I mean, people have put it as like in the top ten films of 2014. That to me, it just doesn't wash me. I mean, I would. I just I'd, don't see I'd it. Put it in, I'd put it in the top ten. It's funny enough, but I just don't. I just don't see it. I'd also, as much as I loved Housebound, I'd put this slightly above it. Right. But I know that you much preferred Housebound I did, to this. Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah, but there we go. There we go. Let's not <laughs> let's not argue. It's nearly Christmas. We're not arguing. It's nearly Christmas. For the sake, we're reviewing. Well, there we go. We don't have to agree. Yeah, absolutely. You know absolutely. But I'm it's, right it's, and yeah, absolutely. You're you're right. And Empire Magazine's right. And what yeah. was it you said? What percentage does this have? It's on like ninety three percent or something. <laughs> yeah. I think 
uh, to my credit, I think uh, same uh, sorry, Mark Kermode uh, was pretty much a similar view to myself. So um, I found that out afterwards. So that's that's something, if nothing else. Oh, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. You just love him. <laughs> Mark Kermode agreed with me on a film. So there we go. <laughs> I'm going to get you a wee badge. That's, that. That's what I'm going to get you for Christmas. A wee badge that said, I agree with Mark Kermode. That's that. Cool. Other, and he agrees with me. Other opinions are available. Um, yes. So, guys, uh, we'll have a short break there. Um, and then we'll be back to close out the show. And we'll be back after this. Hey, Cherish. It's 8 o'clock. Is it time to get the show on the screen or what? Do you enjoy watching films with friends? Do you like to consume vats of alcohol? It's the 40s and some bitches, baby. Yeah. Me? I like beer. If you like all that and none of those artsy-fartsy films... Does this mean we don't get to go to the Fellini Festival? Fuck the Fellini Festival? Then watch and listen to Two Drink Minimum Commentaries. Every Wednesday, myself and a rotating panel of the filthiest podcasters I can muster up give you our comments, observations, and sometimes we might actually talk about the film as we class up some of your favorite films the only way we know how, as raunchy as we can. What's this movie, PG? Oh, yeah. This podcast is fucking... Not only do you get the audio, but the video that goes with it. Just listen to the shit that comes out of these filthy pirates. (laughs) You don't need to get an erection when your cock's full of rigor mortis. (laughs) Fucking... Curb stomp a baby for a baconator. <laughs> I think the moral of the story is don't let Corky run Cerebro. Unforgivable. If you could stand all that, come and get your fill and your fix of Two Drink Minimum Commentaries. All the cool kids are doing it. Two Drink Minimum Commentaries is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Okay, guys, so hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, hope you enjoyed uh, hope you enjoyed it despite me and Gil having a little lover's tiff. Uh, we did that. So we'll you're so I, touchy. I just get stroppy, I think. So. You're, you're so touchy. I don't like it. Don't, <laughs> you can't make me like it. You're really touchy in the cinema as well. It's quite off-putting. <laughs> Hansy is the, the phrase. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, yeah. I thought mouthy was a better description. <laughs> I just can't shut up. That's that's what you yeah. mean. Yeah. Um. Me with my nachos. You with the... You and my special cheese sauce all over your face. <laughs> I don't want the cheese sauce. I want the salsa. <laughs> I want the salsa. Oh, your your face was a peach when I said to the guy, "Oh, two cheeses," and you were going, "Cheese? I don't want cheese. Get the salsa. Get the salsa." <laughs> oh, you can't because the guy's over at the cheese now. No, just ask him when he comes back. There we go. So we did, and we, we got salsa, and the rest <laughs> is history. As they say, <laughs> people have no idea what we're talking about. It's it's such a right. Anyway, yes. <laughs> so, so Gil, have you had fun this evening? I have. You yep. have, yeah. And then I had to do a podcast. Oh, oh! It's been a laugh riot. <laughs> it's been a laugh riot. I have to say, yesterday's was better. <laughs> it was it was a better show all round. Uh, that one was just for you, baby. There we go. <laughs> yes. So, um, yes. So, yes. <laughs> I, yes. I think somebody needs, so. to, somebody needs to nudge me to stop me. Uh, stammering um, would be good. I'll say an M. Yeah, I was going to... There was one episode I edited all of them out. 
You make me sick. Yeah. It took forever. <laughs> it did, and I went, I'm never doing that again. Well, there we go. There we go. Um. <laughs> I need go to. Th- I need to think. I need to. The magic just doesn't come. It's not. It's not you, Mister Yes and. Yes and. <laughs> So there we go. So you've 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 uh, failed to prove your own point there, guys. No, th- but apparently I'm really good at no but as well. Uh, oh, there we go. Very That's cool. uh, Johnny Monolith told me that. You can't just disagree with things by saying no but. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so next week, next week we will be viewing um, the film Oculus, starring uh, Karen Gillenhall. Uh, Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal's sister. Don't um, you go saying anything mean about Karen Gillen? Jake Gyllenhaal's ginger sister. Um, so we're going to be reviewing that, um, and we're also going to be looking at a little movie that we like to call "Nights of Bad Aston." <laughs> Thank you. Because you'd forgotten. I it. couldn't it's, remember the name. Of it. It's it's got Vinny from Home and Away in it. <laughs> oh wow! There's a unique selling point. Well, it's. I suppose most people would know him now from True Blood. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I just always remember that he used to be in Home and Away, the Australian soapy opera. There we go. And that's still on the TV, would you believe? Uh, sadly, it is, yeah. Sadly, yes. Um, so, yeah, so those are, those are the movies that we're going to be watching next week. So, guys, hope that you've enjoyed the, the show this week. Um, as ever, you can find us on... Uh, iTunes, if you're so inclined, we always appreciate uh, new subscribers to the iTunes party. Uh, if you do a search for Gillen Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast, you will find us. Additionally, we're on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, I myself am at Bodacious Horror, and my dear friend Mr. Rockman Rock is at Gil Rockatansky. There we go, that was beautiful. Um, as well, oh, before, oh, see, before we go. Before we go, yes, any other business? Yes, the new Mad Max trailer went up tonight. Oh, very good. How does it look? It looks fucking phenomenal. Oh, my goodness. You're unbiased, though. I'm totally unbiased. Uh-huh. Yeah, it looks great. Check it out. Check it out. Well, um, Yeah, don't be a George Lucas. Uh-huh. Well, that was an interesting thing as well. George Lucas hasn't looked at the new Star Wars no. trailer. Because he's a grumpy old dick. He's in the huff. Yeah. He's in the cream puff and he's going to be going, this is rubbish. This is a, this is a rubbish film. This I'd put sitting, more toys in it. And That's what it should have. More toys. Sitting with his arms folded in the front row. Um. So, yeah. Uh. Yes. How does he manage to shave that beard of his into that style since he's always got his hands in his fucking pockets? <laughs> Yeah, so you can find us. You can also find us at bodaciousshorror.co.uk where we have pretty much everything. everything. Yeah, uh, the episodes are streaming on there. Uh, you can also find us on Stitcher if you'd like to stream the episodes there. Um, as well as that, we've got the, the the app and a whole range of other things. Leave us feedback if you can. Uh, leave us a wee comment on Facebook or via email if you cannot. So, guys, we very much appreciate you listening once again. Um, Gil, have you got anything further that you'd like to add? Not really, no. 
That's unlikely. Just... You've usually got something amusing that you like to interject. <laughs> it's completely random. Did I tell you that I came up with the great idea for a porn film? Really? Yeah. It's uh, you know how they like to make all these porn films where it's kind of a, a parody of an older film. Uh huh. I came up with Pegging Sue Got Married. <laughs> it's a niche market, but uh Uh huh. Yeah, that's there you go. <laughs> well, on that note, um oops. You wish you hadn't asked me now, don't you? <laughs> on that note, we'll say good evening and please don't have nightmares. Bye everybody. And it's, and it's good night from me. And it's good night from him. Bye. <laughs>